0: (laughs) who's ready to rock the income report fire nation jld here and it is march 2017's income reports at a glance we have some great things going on here we're going to be talking to of course our cpa on fire josh bowerly of course the classy kate erickson's here of course our lawyer david Lizerbram is here as well everybody has a lot of value bombs to drop so don't you go anywhere but first Let's go through what our income at a glance is for March 2017. Our gross income was $490,641. Our total expenses were $117,000 for a net profit of $372,000, which is an increase of $180,000 from March in February, or I should say from February to March, and there's a reason for that. We had something pretty big happen as far as a big check come our way, which we'll be talking about specifically because, you know, this is an extremely high income report for what EO Fire is, but again good reasons, all good things to come. Josh, you are a CPA on fire, not just literally but figuratively because it is April now as you and I are talking. You are just about 10 days away from April 15th, which you all know is a special day in the United States of America. So my man, I am just super excited that you have joined us today because every minute that you spend not doing somebody else's taxes is incredibly valuable. So number one, thank you. Number two, What's going on in your world?
1: Yeah. Well, first, I just want to say that you're probably the only person on earth who could have a CPA and an attorney on a podcast and make it exciting. (laughs) So, (laughs) well done. (laughs) But no, but this month we're back. We're going to do some more frequently asked questions. Um, I I think that went well last month. I actually got a a bunch of emails from people that said they liked that and kind of had some more questions. And this month we're going to talk I have three questions that we're going to go over that uh deal with something that's been near and dear to your heart since you started as an entrepreneur and that is owing taxes. Mm. And I know that's that's been fun since you became an entrepreneur, right? That whole thing of <laughs> Since
0: I became a seven-figure entrepreneur, it's not been quite as fun.
1: No, not quite. <laughs> but no, we're going to we're going to go over three questions that I get quite a lot when it deals with when it comes to owing taxes at the end of the year. And the first one is and I especially get this from either first-time business owners or or business owners who became profitable for the first time. And they'll give me their financial statements. They'll make, they made $20,000 in their business. And then I get back to them and say, hey, you owe $5,000. And they say, hey, whoa, wait a second, Josh, you must've misunderstood. I, my business made $20,000, but I didn't pay myself any of that money. I left it all in the business. So go ahead and recalculate that. I don't know anything. And I have to give them the unfortunate news that, The IRS actually doesn't care whether you pay yourself any of those profits. They are going to tax those profits regardless. And the reason is your chances are you're a pass-through entity. And that means everything the business does passes through and gets reported on your personal tax return. Mm. Okay. So if the business profits $20,000, you never touched a dime of it. Guess what? The IRS still says you made $20,000. So you have to be prepared for that. You have to know that what the business does, you do. That makes sense.
0: Unfortunately, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: unfortunately, and I know. I mean, that's that's something you've ran into with the O fire, right? I mean, you're a responsible business owner. You don't take out every last penny of the business, no. and still we get these tax bills year after year, right? Ugh, every year. <laughs> so number two, and I'm, this is what I'm getting flooded with right now. I owe a lot in taxes, and I don't have the money to pay. Should I just file an extension and pay later? And in theory, this makes perfect sense, right? The IRS allows you to file an extension. They, that extension gives you until October 15th to Ooh. file your taxes. So it would make sense that that's when you would pay your taxes. Unfortunately, it's not quite the way it works. The IRS says, yeah, go ahead and file that extension. But any amount you owe, we still expect that to be paid by April 15th. And I know this makes no sense because how would you even know what you owe if you haven't done your taxes yet? But it's the IRS. That's the rules. And that's what we got to go by. So here's what I want you to do. If you find yourself in this situation, the answer is not, I'm just going to extend and pay later. The answer is go ahead and file your taxes, find out how much you owe, and then call the IRS and make a payment plan with you. They're actually super easy to work with on this. They're basically going to say, how much do you owe? How much do you want to pay per month? And if that gets you to paying it off within five years, they're probably going to say yes to that. All right. And they're going to charge you a little bit of interest. It varies. I think right now they're they're somewhere around four or five percent. So it's not a terrible amount. But this is a much better option than simply kind of extending it and, and, and trying to pay later. Because if you do that, they hit you with failure to pay penalties. And those can be much higher than the interest penalties.
0: Now, Josh, for your clients, do you actually make that phone call and negotiate with the IRS?
1: That you'd have to get power of attorney for, and uh, it's actually, I mean, we, there's no way we'd even have the time to right now, and it's, it's a very simple phone call, so we have them, we just give them the number, have them do it themselves, and a lot of people, it's a good question, because a lot of people are scared to do this, Right? It's, I'm telling you, it's super simple, you call them, say, I want to make a payment plan, they'll say, how much do you owe? How much do you want to pay per month? And if it fits in their formula, you're good to go.
0: You know, Rami Sethi has this uh, really cool blog post where he walks people through exactly how to call your cable company and get a lesser amount on your cable bill. You should create a very simple step-by-step process. Because even though you say it's simple and you just say it's just step one, two, three... I know just as an individual and the, my listeners as well, Fire Nation, if they could just see exactly what they could expect so they could just be prepped for that in a simple blog post, that would be simple. So uh, let's, let's put that post up, cpaonfire.com slash IRS payment. How does that sound? Yeah, let's make that happen. I mean, I'm just making more work for you during April. Isn't that horrible? I was
3: just going to say, Josh is like, yeah, just pile it on. I'll go ahead and create all the things.
0: (laughs) I mean, it literally should take you, Josh, about five minutes to create because you're just doing that bang, 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 bang. It's done. And this could be such a help for Fire Nation to get that. I know it will be.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's make it happen.
0: So that's cpaonfire.com slash IRS payments. Okay, cool. What's next?
1: All right. So number three is, okay, I owe this big amount. I'm going to do what you say. I'm not going to just file an extension and make it go away. I'm going to cash out my retirement funds and pay this off. And again, I get it. I get that people don't want this big tax bill hanging over their head. Everyone's scared of the IRS and rightfully so. Um, I, I understand not wanting to have a big tax payment drawn out forever, but here's the problem with cashing out those retirement funds you 're going to first you 're going to pay ordinary taxes on those funds, okay, so if you cash out twenty thousand dollars to pay a twenty thousand dollar tax bill you've got to pay taxes on all twenty thousand of that then they 're going to hit you with a early withdrawal penalty of ten percent okay so you 're going that 's two thousand dollars just right there on that twenty thousand dollars on top of all the ordinary taxes. So you're going to pay way, way more than you ever would in interest by setting up a payment plan. I mean, it'd be cheaper to even put those payments on a credit card and try and pay it off. And here's what I see happen all the time. Someone owes, let's say, $20,000, right? They pull out these $20,000 from retirement. Okay, they pay it off. That's all clear. Come next year, they find out that they owe way more taxes from the retirement funds they took out. Now they have to take out more retirement funds to to do it. And it's a circle that just doesn't end until they're out of retirement funds and now still have this giant tax bill hanging over their head. So in my opinion, this is the worst possible option you could do if you owe taxes. All right, I'd much rather you get on a payment plan with the IRS, even put it on a credit card if you have to. But please never, ever cash out those retirement funds to pay for those, those IRS taxes, no matter how tempting it
0: is. I got to say a couple things. Number one, it is so sad that the vast majority of the population is not privy to this information just because they don't have it because they haven't listened to a podcast like this or gone to your blog or just, you know, Googled things like this on the internet and it's costing so much money just because they don't have the information. They're not armed with the knowledge. And Fire Nation, you are now being armed with the knowledge, so do something with it. It's so valuable to do things right. I mean, yes, it's painful for me to write quarterly estimated taxes, but guess what? It's the right thing to do so they don't have this one big fat penalty tax bill at the end of the year. It's right to do these three things that Josh just talked about because I don't want to be cashing up my retirement or be doing X, Y, or Z and having to pay all these extra taxes and penalties that just add up to this vicious cycle that he's talking about. is crazy. So Josh, bring us home here. What do you want to make sure that we take away from these three great tips?
1: I think what you just said is is perfect. It's, it's something that you need to prepare for. Right? If you're owing at the end of the year a significant amount, it probably means you didn't plan ahead of time with, with estimated payments or at least setting money aside. Right? So I, this ha- I can totally see how this happens your first time that you make real profits. It hits you unexpectedly. After that, the responsibility is on you. You have to know what your numbers are. You have to prepare for these taxes. And keep in mind, like people complain about these taxes when I tell them all the time. It's, it, you owe these taxes because you're a successful entrepreneur. All right? Th- this is a problem that only successful people have. So yeah, it sucks. No one wants to pay these taxes, but it's going to happen. And it's something you have to prepare for throughout the year.
0: CPA. On fire.com. Get over there, Fire Nation. Check out all the great content that Josh has. Of course, cpaonfire.com slash IRS payments. You do that step by step plan. You can just follow along that blog post that Josh is gonna write. It's gonna be simple. Don't expect anything extravagant. I just want Josh to knock it out bang, 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 and then it's done. Make that phone call. The phone, the phone number will be there, everything for you, step by step by step. Knock it out. If you have to go that route, make sure you follow that plan. And of course, as you heard at the beginning when Josh was talking, email Josh. He will email email you back. Maybe not immediately because it is tax season right now, but he will get back to you, josh at cpaonfire.com. Josh, last words of wisdom. What do you got for us?
1: Yeah, we still have a free course up for Fire Nation. Go to cpaonfire.com slash fire nation. As you said, email me anytime, josh at cpmfire.com. Josh,
0: always a pleasure. Thanks for hanging out with us, brother. See you on the next income report. So, Fire Nation, if you thought that you just had your mind filled with awesomeness, well, you did, and it's not stopping now, because we have David Lizerbram, who's going to be giving us a monthly legal tip. Hope you been enjoying these. He's going to be talking right now about, can I play music on my podcast? David, take it away.
2: Okay, Fire Nation, today we're going to talk about using music on podcasts, a very popular and in-demand question. So I want to make sure you get all the info you need, and I'm going to make it as short and sweet as possible. This is a topic that could like cover a whole semester of law school, and we're going to cover it in a couple minutes. So uh, we're going to do the best we can to get into all the details that you need to know, give you those action items, and move on with your day. All right, so we're going to start with this. Under United States copyright law, you can't just play any recording you want, whenever you want, wherever you want, through whatever medium you want, including podcasting. Um, otherwise, there would be no such thing as copyright. So what are the rules about when you can play music on your podcast? In order to answer that, I'm going to give the extremely brief Music Copyright 101. So when you hear a recording of a song, like on the radio, on your, you know, iPhone, wherever you hear it, there are most likely two separate copyrights embodied in that song. So there's the copyright in the musical composition, which is the words and music. You can sort of imagine music written on a page uh, with the notes and the words. That's the musical composition. And then there's the copyright in the sound recording. So we all know that there can be many different cover versions of the same song. Each of those is a different sound recording, and each of those has their own copyright. So uh, let's just say the Beatles, they record their own version of one of their songs, they or their record company own that sound recording, and then anybody else goes and records their own version, well, that artist might own their own version of that recording. So you can understand that it can already get a little bit complicated in terms of ownership. But remember, two separate copyrights embodied in a song. There's the uh, written song, the composition, And then there's the actual recording, and there can be many recordings of the same song. Now, the copyright in the composition, the written song, um, usually is owned or controlled by a music publisher. A lot of people have heard that term, but they don't really know what that means. Those are just companies that administer those copyrights, as opposed to the copyrights in the sound recordings, which are typically administered by the record companies. Again, this is sort of a typical situation. If you're talking about an independent artist, um, you just record something on your own, or somebody's not signed to a record company. You know, they may just control all these things themselves. But if you're talking about, you know, Beyonce, you've got a uh, kind of more formal. Business type structure there that you're dealing with. All right, so let's get back to podcasts. Every time you download or stream a podcast, you're making a copy of the audio file containing that podcast. So the word copy in that previous sentence should provide a clue why that matters. Copyright includes, among other things, the right to prevent others from making copies of your work without permission. So you can kind of start to see what we're talking about here. But let's say you get all this and you just really, really want to play your favorite Beyonce song on your podcast and you want to do so legally. In order to do so, you would need to obtain the necessary rights for both the musical composition and the sound recording. Again, that may mean obtaining rights from multiple organizations. And in the U.S. and most other countries, this is not an automatic thing meaning Beyonce and her various companies do not need to give you the right to play her song on your podcast. They don't need to sell it to you for any particular dollar amount. They can control it. They can say no. They have all the leverage in this situation. So um, it can be extremely pricey if you wanted to actually purchase the right to play a popular song on your podcast. Um, What if you just say, the heck with it. I'm playing a Beyonce song on my podcast. Nobody can stop me. It's a free country. Well, in that case, legally, you'd potentially be looking at statutory damages, that's damages that are created in the United States Copyright Act, of up to $150,000 per song. So, you know, you can see how that would add up. Um, What are the alternatives? Well, for most people starting out in the podcast world, it's not going to be feasible to license your favorite Beyonce song, and even if you record your own version, the licenses for the musical composition might be out of your price range. Um, there's a variety of free or low-cost alternatives out there. Some of them, like Premium Beat, operate like stock photo companies. Most of you will probably f- be familiar with stock photos. Um, but it's you know music that often sounds a little bit like types of popular music but not exactly the same. And um, you can license them for a fairly reasonable price. Other songs are made available online under different licenses like Creative Commons. I definitely recommend you carefully review um, what that particular license is, but, um, you know, it might be free for you to use if you review it carefully and make sure that it is indeed available. Um, sometimes, uh, People will commission songs. Maybe you have a friend who's a musician. Maybe you can find somebody on Fiverr or somewhere else who will compose something for you. And, of course, that costs as much as you negotiate. But make sure you you do get the rights and get it in writing so that you know that you can continue to play this. What you don't want to have happen is uh, you're like, oh, my friend recorded this song, and he said I could use it in the podcast. Then you put it on. You start your show. The show becomes very popular. You're almost as popular as EO Fire so you're worldwide you're huge and all of a sudden your friend comes along and says hey my song's being played on this super popular podcast and all i got was you know a slice of pizza uh i want something out of him now you've got a potential legal issue so do what you can to make sure you get it in writing um and uh you know, be as careful as you can. I know not everybody can run out and afford a lawyer to handle these things, but if you can get it in writing, even if it's just something fairly simple like an email where both parties agree, what the terms are, it's better than nothing. Now, let's get a little bit more real here. I know that you, just like I, have heard countless podcasts where people play popular songs and you know, okay, this podcast that has two episodes and three listeners is not paying Bruce Springsteen for the rights to his songs. Well, you know, people do a lot of things. (laughs) That's not necessarily the legal advice that I would give. The reality is that right now it doesn't seem like record companies are going out of their way to police uh, music on podcasts. People just play stuff and a lot of times it doesn't get heard. I would not be surprised if at some point in the future they start being a little bit more aggressive because podcasts continue to become more popular. When it's more popular, there's more revenue. When people see revenue, they get aggressive about their legal rights. For example, the record companies might be able to uh, create a program that scans podcasts and finds music that's not authorized and then automatically takes it down. If they send a cease and desist notice to iTunes, iTunes is probably just going to take your podcast down without asking any more questions, and then you will no longer have a show that's on iTunes. And that would be a bummer. So it's up to you to make the decision you want to make. If you want to play those songs, clips, or you know, full songs, whatever the case may be, hey, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying what the potential consequences are. Um, finally, people will want to ask about fair use and that is such a complicated issue that I think we should probably talk about that in a future income report. Um, but just because you think it's fair use or you're not making money off your podcast or even if it's for a nonprofit does not necessarily mean that you can play all or part of a song. And I should highlight when I'm talking about all or part of a song, I mean all or part. So even just playing a, you know, five second clip is not necessarily allowed, um, The restrictions I've talked about today are not just for playing the entire song. It could even be a very small segment. The same exact restrictions apply. So um, I hope that gave you some info. I don't want to be a bummer. I wish this was easier and more affordable and simpler, but this is the way the law works, and I would rather be honest with you than tell you something you want to hear. Um, For a lot more info about music and other legal issues related to podcasting, you can download my free ebook, Podcast Law, through the link, podcastlawguide.com. Okay, John and Kate, take it away.
0: David, Rockstar, thanks for that, brother. Appreciate it in every way, shape, and form. Thanks for that, my man. And Fire Nation, of course, if you have questions, reach out to David Lizerbram. He is all over our income report, links to his website, et cetera, et cetera. Check it out, eofire.com/slash income. 43. So what went down in March? Well, there's a reason why we have a big fat income of $480,000. It's because the Mastery Journal Kickstarter campaign ended And we got the Kickstarter payout, which was a little over $255,000 after all fees and credit card processing, yada, 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 came through. So that was a big check to receive to add to our total income. And we crushed it for the month of March. And Mastery Journal sales are currently open right now. We've already shipped over 4,000 copies of the Mastery Journal to backers, which is incredibly exciting. And then we made sure that everybody had their Mastery Journal that uh, supported the Kickstarter campaign. So thank you for those of you that supported the Mastery Journal Kickstarter campaign. If you ordered a physical hardcover, uh, you have them in your hands. Or you maybe live somewhere incredibly remote like Siberia. And believe me, it's, it's on the way right now. And we just recently opened our mastery journal store on Shopify. So go check it out, themasteryjournal.com. And if you're in the US and you just love prime shipping, I don't blame you. We have the mastery journal available on Amazon as well. So just search the mastery journal or John Lee Dumas in Amazon, and you'll get to the mastery journal. And of course, the freedom journal is there as well. And I'm actually doing something that I haven't uh, ever done before on a podcast. So I hope uh, you appreciate this fire Nation. But use the promo code podcast for either the mastery journal or the freedom journal at our website thefreedomjournal.com or themasteryjournal.com and you're going to get a nice little discount as a thank you for listening to our podcast. So again the promo code is podcast and you're going to get a very nice discount on either or both of the mastery and or freedom journal. So thank you for listening. Just a little gift from me to you from that. And, uh, Kate, what are you going to say about the Mastery Journal? We, uh, we had a lot of fun and now that Kickstarter campaign's over, but the fun is continuing with our current stores.
3: What's up? That is a nice little Easter egg surprise. <laughs> promo post podcast. Yes. Love it. Um, well, gosh, I will say, John, thank you for putting the smack down the other night because you and I were, you know, snuggling into bed. Don't worry, Fire Nation, this is going to be PG. And I had kind of made the comment that I think you asked me like, so how was your day today? And I admitted that I was a little bit frustrated because I felt like I had had a, you know, really packed day. I had a lot of things going on, but I was feeling a little bit frustrated that I wasn't making like major progress on any one thing. You know, I felt like I was kind of diddly daddling in a bunch of different things. And you're like, look, you got to take out your mastery journal and start using it. And I will say, the next day, I took out my mastery journal, and I started using it. I've been using it every day since. And I don't know if you've been hearing my egg timer go off, have you?
0: (laughs) Every now and then I'm like, what is that? (laughs) <laughs> is Kate cooking something for me?
3: <laughs> <laughs> that too. But um, I've been using, so the the online timer I use is e.gg.timer.com, I think is what it is. But if you just Google egg timer, uh, it'll come up and you can type in any amount of time that you want the timer to be. And John, you know, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts because I know that you say in the Mastery Journal, like your focus session is 42
0: Yes. And refresh is 18. Correct.
3: Yeah. Okay. So I kind of change my focus and refresh times based on the task that I'm doing. Um, So like, let's say I have a task that I think is going to take me 30 minutes, then I set my focus time for 30 minutes. But then if I have a task that's going to take me 50 minutes, I set my focus time to 50 minutes. Do you always only do 42 and 18? Or do you switch it up like that, too?
0: Um, I always do 42 and 18 because the tasks that I use for the Mastery Journal always take longer than that. So I just do as much as I can in that 42 minutes and then it you know spills over into the refresh. I don't, nothing spills over. I mean, I stop, do the refresh, and then it spills over to for me starting when I do the next beginning of that forty-two minute session. So I can definitely hear you. If you know that you're doing a task, that's only going to take fifteen or twenty minutes um, to set it for a shorter amount of time, just because you know that that's the time it's going to take. So the most important thing that I like that you're bringing up right now is the mastery journal is meant to really be a chameleon to what works for you. So you should be doing these mm-hmm. things, seeing what works, what doesn't work, and continue to adjust it as you move forward. So I like mixing and matching things up. That's great. I know. For me, just having that 42 minutes every time just gets me to a great rhythm. But for other people, 30, 50, you know, 15, whatever it might be, try both, see what works.
3: Yeah, I hear you on the rhythm thing. But I will say one thing that I tried out today, actually this morning, one of my sessions, I did 45 minutes, even though I had a pretty like confident feeling that what I was doing wasn't going to take me 45 minutes. So when I finished what my, my my goal for that session was, I just started doing the next task that I was going to do on my next session. So I kind of was able to get a head start and that actually kind of made me feel like I had accomplished way more because not only did I accomplish the task that I had set for that focus session, but I got a whole other task done as well in my focus time. Um, So yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, testing different things out and kind of seeing what works best for you. And one thing that I've really been taking note of is after every session, when I'm filling in like my productivity and my discipline scores, I'll actually kind of reflect and say, okay, what what worked like really well about that session? Like what do I feel really great about? And then I'll carry that with me into the next session. So if there was like a certain timing technique that I did or something that I recognized was like, oh wow, I feel really, really productive when I, you know, move my phone away from me or, um, you know, only open up the single tab that I have to use for this session. So, um, yeah. And also, I will say my number one takeaway and then I'll wrap this up because I know I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I hope this is helpful for anybody who's using the Mastery Journal because I see these types of questions come up in our group a lot. Um, but one, my biggest takeaway is just not really having a good handle on how long my tasks take me. Because as I said before, you know, I'll kind of set like different times for different tasks. And so I'll be like, oh, yeah, this task definitely can only take me like 35 minutes. I set my focus time for 35 minutes and I like barely get through half of it. So it can be really, really eye opening in terms of how you're spending your time, what you're spending your time on and how long certain tasks take you. So that's been my biggest takeaway since you Using the Mastery Journal.
0: Yeah, there's a phrase and a, a quote. It's something along the lines of what gets measured gets accomplished. And Mm -hmm. so few of us actually measure things. And so when we don't measure things, we just actually don't know what the reality of that thing is. You know, I mean, you look back over anything and you say, wow, you know, when I caught that fish last year, it was this big. And of course it was like half that size, but you know, we just kind of fool ourselves in different ways of thinking. And that's what the mastery journal does. Like it just holds you accountable in every way, shape and form to number one, your morning routine in the morning to number two, what your session is and how long you're going to take on that focus session. The number three, it's going to hold you accountable to your refresh time, which is super important, so you don't get burned out and you can really refresh your mind and your body. And then holding you accountable to hopefully session number two, three, and four while grading yourself on your productivity, on your discipline. Like I'm sure, Kate, when you got more accomplished than you expected to in that one session, that your productivity score was pretty high because you got a lot done. So you were very productive that session. Whereas, you know, maybe if, you know, your mother was like, Kate, I have a quick question for you, and you like let her interrupt you, because by the way, guys, Kate's mother is visiting for the entire month of of April and we're so happy and then you can just say hey maybe my product productivity score was a three or was a four because you know I let that distraction get a little carried away in any way shape or form so it holds you accountable it makes you look back and, and reflect over what was working for the day and again I, I, I'm not just saying this to say it because it's something that we created but this truly is my best work ever and it is now so gratifying for me to not just have been saying this during the launch of the Mastery Journal and Kickstarter campaign before it got into anybody's hands. But now that it's been delivered to over 4,000 people, um, hardcover version, and thousands and thousands digitally as well, to see the interactions in our Facebook group, which is now over 8,000 people, it's just incredible to see um, the responses and, and people just really validating everything that I spent a year crafting, honing. So if you're thinking that your productivity, your discipline, your focus is lacking in any way, shape, or form, Trust in yourself. Get the Mastery Journal. If you're international, I know that shipping can be brutal. So get the complete digital pack that's available as well um, over at themasteryjournal.com. And again, use promo code podcast. It's only for you podcast listeners. You're going to get a pretty sweet <laughs> discount faux show. Uh, so, Kate, before we move on to the next section, anything else you want to say about the Mastery Journal and just the fact that, you know, sales are now open, et cetera?
3: Yeah, I mean, I just kind of like launched into what, you know, my experience with the Mastery Journal has been so far, but recognizing that maybe some people are hearing about the Mastery Journal for the first time, um, you know, highly encourage you to check it out if you're feeling like you could maybe use a little bit more direction in your work. It's definitely done that for me. I consider myself a pretty productive and focused person, but since uh, using the Mastery Journal, you know, for example, I'll kind of sit down at my desk one morning and let's say I have like Four different things that I wanna work on. So I kind of start like picking a little bit in each of them with a mastery journal. I don't do that because I know that I have four dedicated sessions. I can give each of those tasks their own session. So I'm not like stressed out about whether I'm gonna get to work on all of them or not. Like I know I'm gonna get to all four of them. And you know, by noon, I'm finished with my four sessions. And I can tell you like five out of the six days that I've used the mastery journal, I just wanna keep going. I want like four more sessions. I want to just move on to the next day and keep doing (laughs) sessions all day long because it feels that great. So, you know, as John said, use that promo code podcast, check out the mastery journal, come join us in our kick booty Facebook group. There's so much inspiration and awesomeness going on over there. So we'd love to see you in there.
0: Absolutely. And this next section, I was actually just kind of skimming ahead of what you were talking, Kate. It's going to be really helpful for a lot of you that are listening because we get questions all the time about our team and. John, Kate, what is your team? How big is it? Like, what does it look like? What tasks do they do, et cetera? And, you know, we've been working on building a team and refining a team and honing our team for for years now. I mean, we're moving into the fifth year of EO Fire. You know, over 1,700 episodes have been recorded. I was just uh, doing my interview day yesterday and I hit number or episode number 1701 and I was like, whoa, pretty cool. And I'm just continue to be so excited by how awesome our team is in so many different ways, shapes, and forms. But at the same time, realistic that, you know. People on our team are humans, and they're going to make mistakes, and they're going to have their own personal life struggles. We're going to have to try to adjust for that. So Kate, we just recently had a pretty decent-sized team shift, and you did a, a great job in the income report talking about this. And again, Fire Nation, eofire.com slash income43, you can read all about this. Uh, but talk about this, Kate. Talk about the eofire team shift.
3: Yeah, I will say since we moved to Puerto Rico, and I'm just thinking about this right now for the first time, we've had more team shifts than in our four-year history. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, when we very first moved to Puerto Rico, within the first 30 days, one of our virtual team members um, left the team. Um, So we went from, let's see, four, five, six, seven of us to six of us, because it's myself, you, JM, Jess, Claire, and Tapu right now. Um, And then we... Then within the next 30 days, hired two people, both of whom were here in Puerto Rico. So then we went from six to eight. Um, Within a few months, unfortunately, one of those team members had to leave. And so we went from eight back to seven. And just last month, we transitioned another one of our team members from a full-time hire into an independent contractor because he had some other directions that he was looking to go and, and wasn't looking to stay with the EO Fire team full-time. So we're back to six again.
0: Well, actually, that that one person that that left, who was because of health reasons, has actually since come right. back now. So now we're back up to the
3: seven. Oh, that's true. She's not back full-time yet, though. True. I hope she does come back full-time. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Yes, fingers crossed for sure. But Fire Nation, bottom line here and kind of what I'm getting at is hiring the right people for the job is not an easy thing to do. And I have, you know, John, like you said, we get so many questions about this. Like, how do you build a team and how do you build the right team? And how do you know that you can trust your team members and all these things? It's not an easy thing to do. And for, you know, somebody to... Come up with a full-time business that just helps people in hiring and building a team. Genius. Genius. So necessary. And, you know, it's out there, but we're entrepreneurs and we're running our own business. So we don't have, you know, a full day or a full week to immerse ourselves in that type of content. Uh, But at the same time, you can't necessarily just hire somebody out to hire for you because, You need to know very intimately what you need, like what you need in a team member and what skills they should have and all these other variables. So definitely not easy hiring the right people for the job. And sometimes you're going to put in a whole lot of time and bandwidth into onboarding and training and doing all the things. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. It's not the right fit. Maybe it's not the right fit for you. Maybe it's not the right fit for them. Maybe it's not the right fit for anyone. And I did come up with two particular takeaways from this experience. And one of them is hire for attitude and train for skill. This is something I'm sure you've heard a hundred times. I've heard it a hundred times, but sometimes hearing things isn't enough, or sometimes you might hear it a hundred times and it's on the 101st time that it actually lands. that It actually means something to you because of where you're at in your business. So sometimes you unfortunately have to experience for it to experience that thing for it to finally hit home um, for us or for me uh, you know, for EoFire fire as a team, I believe that that was the case. You know, we just had to experience um, the, that situation to understand hiring for attitude and training for skill is a, a huge lesson. Uh, number two, my number two biggest takeaway, don't be afraid to say goodbye. And you know, this is, we're so grateful to have a very, very solid virtual team. We've unfortunately had to say goodbye to a few of those team members here over the past four plus years. But what I'm finding is that each time our core team grows stronger because of it. It's really scary to lose an employee and you might automatically think, oh my gosh, how are we ever going to get all the things done that that person took care of? But I can guarantee you 10 times out of 10, you're going to figure it out. You're going to figure out a way to pick up that slack. You're going to figure out that maybe a lot of the things that that team member was handling aren't even integral or necessary to your business, which is really eye opening and actually a great positive thing. Um, But yes, 10 times out of 10, you're going to figure it out. So don't be afraid to say goodbye if you know in your gut that it's the right time to do so. Don't be afraid to say goodbye so that you can learn from the experience and so that your team can grow stronger as a result.
0: Yeah, one thing I want to mention just to really fully round out our situation at EO Fire is we also do have two full-time and independent contractors. And by full-time, I mean we have a graphic designer who's on retainer for 40 hours per month and a web developer who's on retainer for 20 hours per month. So we also have that part of our team as well. And again, we transitioned. Um, our eighth employee into an independent contractor who now works 25 hours per month for us just on the Amazon side, which is where he was specializing in anyway. So that's how we transitioned that. So that can be an option for you as well, Fire Think about it. If you have somebody that's a quote unquote employee that's just not working out full time, you can maybe look at the transition to them where they really shine and just pay them for that hourly uh, rate that you want them to be working on that specific part of your business. So just some food for thought, Kate, those were two great takeaways. And let's move on to San Diego because March can't be skipped over without talking about San Diego because we spent the 7th through the 27th. In San Diego, except for me, with a four-day stint in Salt Lake City, Utah, skiing, Elta, Park City, and Canyons with a couple of my college buddies. But Kate, we really rocked San Diego for almost the whole month of March. How was it being back?
3: It was so great. I love going back to San Diego. And let me tell you, like after a couple of days, I kind of feel like we just lived there and that we never left. Do you get that <laughs> feeling too? or is it? Just yeah, it
0: just feels like home sweet home.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. It felt great to be back. The weather was awesome. Like the two weeks leading up to when we were there, all I was hearing from my parents is rain. It's raining so much. I can't believe it. San Diego hasn't seen this much rain in like 10 years, which was great for San Diego because they've been in a drought like as long as I can remember since I was a little girl, which is very sad. They definitely needed the rain. Um, But I'm not going to lie. I'm glad it was sunny while we were there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was great. What did you think?
0: It was awesome. Loved it. We had a really packed activity schedule. I mean, we're always doing something, you know, especially you with, you know, visiting your niece and nephew and sister and parents and friends as well and me kind of skipping around, you know, to Utah and back and then the conference, of course, which we'll get to a little bit later. But, you know, for me, it was great getting out to Utah to see a couple of my college roommates for a couple of days, Jeff White and Ryan Kellogg. And uh, it was kind of cool because we're doing a little bit of a a business masterminding while we were there because both... Of uh, my friends jeff and ryan are entrepreneurial in their own way and not quite in the entrepreneur on fire way but ryan did just launch his first podcast which i'm really excited about it's called win the talent war and it's about how to hire uh, train and retain top talent and he's basically um, in new york city and he's a a manager manager of this you know let's just say team of employees that it's hard to, number one, hire, train, and then uh, uh, retain, which is what we've kind of been talking about with our team. And so I know that I found this podcast helpful. I've listened to, as he's interviewed, uh, some people who really specialize in these things so that I can learn how to, you know, not just hire the right people, but to retain the right people and win the talent war, which again, he just nailed the name. So you can just go to iTunes and search win the talent war, Um, and he also has his website that you can find there as well. If you just Google win the talent war, you'll find it as well. Um, so I'm excited that he's uh, venturing in that direction. And of course my buddy, Jeff White, uh, He's just kind of one of those people that's found the right job right out of college, stuck with it. And now he's in a management role, which actually gives him a lot of free time. He's trying some different things as well in the side preneur, side hustle, solopreneur area, which is pretty cool as well. So we have some great chairlift talks, which is always a lot of fun and in preparation for my upcoming 15th year college reunion on June 1st at Providence College in Rhode Island, which is kind of kind of cool because it's coinciding with the 100-year anniversary of our school, which opened in 1917. And of course, now 2017, it's been 100 years. Uh, so the beginning part of March was kind of filled with that and with visiting friends and family. And then the latter part of March was Social Media Marketing World, which is a massive conference, 3,500 people, Speakers from all over the world. There's over 150 speakers, myself and Kate included in that batch of 150. And I always say that for me, social media marketing world is the biggest reunion um, that we can have because it's the only place where all of the speakers who I've become great friends with, I, I actually want to say probably 147 of the 150 speakers have actually been on my podcast. So for me, it's great to go to the speakers party and I just know every single one of them from having been on my show. And over the years, you know, we've spoken at similar events, but this is the event where we always all go to. And so the two-hour speakers party that, that kicks off the entire event's Um, is amazing, and it's a reunion of sorts, and I look forward to it every single year. But what's pretty cool is that this was Kate's first year speaking at Social Media Marketing World. So, uh, Kate, What, what? what was your experience
3: it was definitely right on with that. I mean, that speakers party is so great. And then to follow it up with a party on the USS Midway, like Michael Silzer just pulls out all the stops for social media marketing world. Party in the USS Midway. That was one too many S's. Oh, my bad. Miley would like to know. <laughs> Oh, I like you. Um, Yes, it was a a ton of fun. And being a speaker was a totally different experience, I will say, um, because the past years that I've attended, of course, is my first year speaking. So logically, (laughs) the years before I was not a speaker and the experience just was really different for me. It was great to be able to attend the speaker's party. It was awesome to be able to actually be recognized as a speaker. I mean, I did a table talk where people were actually coming up to my table and sitting at my table because they wanted to hear from me. Like that was a really cool feeling. Um, And they just, I mean, again, they pull out all the stops. I mean, every time I was walking somewhere with this bewildered look on my face, which was (laughs) often, there was always somebody there to say like, hey, can I help you? Do you have a question? What are you looking for? Um, I did, I actually did a, um, well, what I consider a great recap post on just the whole social media marketing world experience and how great of an event it is, how well set up and planned it is. Um, So if you want to check that out, we have it linked up on the income report.
0: Yes, and we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Our mastermind buddies, Josh and Jill Stanton, who we've now done a number of masterminds on a yearly basis. Sometimes we go to Mexico. Sometimes, you know, we go other places. We're actually going to be in Australia later this year. We're going to be visiting them in Vancouver at some point. So uh, we definitely have been friends with these two for a long time. They are um, a great couple for us to hang out with and to trade ideas with and they are of screw the 9 to 5 and uh, let's be honest uh Kate and Jill are pretty much online besties and they they get together every week online i can hear them squealing and shrieking every time they do cuz uh, you
3: know,
0: they're, they're just friends and uh, Kate it was a cool True hanging out story. with them <laughs>
3: So much fun, I love getting together with Jill and Josh because not only is it just like that fun like girly squeal love them to death moment, but it was all it's also just such great business talk because. Jill and Josh, you know, started out with Screw the 9 to 5. Um, Well, they were actually just kind of like gaining some pretty uh, legit traction when we first connected and started hanging out with them. And to see how their business has grown and to now hear how, you know, I talked to Jill a ton about how they're growing their team. Um, It's really awesome that um, Josh and Jill are literally – mirrors of John and I but you know Josh and I are the back end geek out on numbers and all the calculations and all the tools and all the systems and Jill and John are very similar in that they have you know all the big ideas and how just the execution that they come up with is out of this world and so it's so much fun to have those business chats with them because they they're just running such a different business than us even though it's still the online entrepreneurship space, you know, we do a lot of things really differently. So it's always, always, always such a, you know, eye opener and uh, inspiration to chat business with them as well. Well, we also met some
0: other cool people. I mean, I had a great lunch with Bert Brooks and the rest of the ConvertKit team, where I got to also meet uh, the team of Teachable. They were there as well, which was pretty cool because I've uh, had some fun times with them in the past. And we also got to meet Thinkific's team, which was pretty awesome. They actually hosted an epic dinner on, it was Friday night? No, it was Thursday night. They hosted an epic dinner, the, the actual second to last night of the event. And it was pretty cool for Kate to get to meet their team because she's been working with them virtually moving Podcasters Paradise onto the Thinkific platform. And Kate, what do you think?
3: Uh, their team is so amazing. I mean, since we reached out to them and started kind of chatting with them about the potential of us moving Podcasters Paradise over to Thinkific, uh, they've just, you know, been They've just been there. Every question we have, they have the answer to. If they don't have the answer to it, they're getting back to us super fast. They've just been so accommodating. They are what I actually really love about the Thinkific platform. That is unlike any other platform I've come in touch with for creating an online membership course type thing. Is that they're um, they're still quite small and they're really into developing for their users versus just developing to you know, mimic what another course platform might be doing or might not be doing. And so I've had—I've literally had conversations with them where I've, you know, given ideas or said like, you know, it would be really cool if this is something that you guys had. And they'll literally bring it to their development team in their next team meeting. And the next time I chat with them, they'll be like, oh yeah, our development team is going to start <laughs> working on that. So I just think that's like so cool that they... Are really in it for their users. It's uh, I can't wait to have Podcasters Paradise on Thinkific. This has been a long time coming. I've been researching membership platforms for probably a year now. Of course, not fully focused on it, but you know, over the past year, I've I've been thinking about it a lot because we started getting a lot of repetitive feedback from our Podcasters Paradise members about. Uh, you know, the user experience on our current membership site. So it's time. It's definitely time to move. And I'm just so happy and grateful that we found Thinkific because I think it's going to be a great transition and a perfect platform. So I'm really excited to get some of our beta users in there. So kind of a little behind the scenes look at how we're actually making this transfer. We've Mentioned it here and there a few times in the Facebook group and on our live Q&A calls inside Podcasters Paradise, but we haven't like come out and done a full-blown announcement yet because there's a lot of back-end work to be done here. We're kind of waiting until we have... The bulk of that, um, the bulk of that back end work done. Then we're going to go ahead and go to the community and ask for a few beta users. You know, people who are willing to really dive into the new platform, give us feedback on how it's set up, so that before we do a. F- full um, switchover and a full announcement to the entire community. We really have some solid feedback from our members to make sure that, you know, it's going to be a good and smooth transition over. And again, the Thinkific team has just been really awesome online. So to get to meet up with them and hang out in person at Social Media Marketing World, John, you mentioned that awesome dinner that they hosted. they're just a really, really great team.
0: And as Kate mentioned, they're not a huge team, but at the same time, they're not a three-man shop. I mean, they are 42 people right now. They expect to be over 90 pretty soon. So you are going to be dealing with a real company doing really cool things, and it'll be fun to grow with them. And Kate, we had a lot of fun in San Diego. Anything you want to mention before we move on to the next topic? Because uh, San Diego was the vast majority of our march.
3: I feel like I'm becoming a better traveler. Do you feel that way?
0: I've always been a great traveler.
3: (laughs) Outed. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like every time we travel, I'm getting a little bit more comfortable with like my packing situation. And you're so good. You have your checklist that you print off every time we travel. So you you pack in like five minutes and I'm worried about packing for like four (laughs) days. But I feel like I'm getting better at it. So, you know, kind of like transferring that into business sense. The more you do something, the more you kind of, improve over time. I'm trying to constantly improve my travel experience that I give myself. So yeah, San Diego is great. So super grateful always for time with the family, um, time with friends, time in San Diego. So that's a wrap. It was an awesome trip.
0: Love it. And speaking of getting better, um, our income report happened to get better from last month uh, by significant amounts. But again, we mentioned why. It was because the Mastery Journal Kickstarter campaign came in one big $254,000 check, which gave us a total revenue of $490,000. Uh, $439,000 of that came from our product and service income. Uh, the Freedom Journal on our Shopify store brought in 25000 thousand dollars. On Amazon, we had twenty six thousand dollars of Freedom Journal sales. Uh, The Mastery Journal, again, is available now on both Amazon and on the Shopify store. So we had that linked up as well. Um, and then again, that Kickstarter campaign brought in a total of two eighty, but after expenses, was down to two fifty four. Uh, Podcasters Paradise brought in forty thousand dollars for the month. Sponsorship income was sixty thousand uh, dollars. Moving down to affiliate income, we did twenty nine thousand dollars with ClickFunnels, uh, which is awesome. Uh, we also did seven thousand dollars with David Siteman Garland's Create Awesome Online Courses, and everything else that we did um, is in a little uh, bit smaller amounts, but it all adds up. To awesome! this. You can check out everything that we uh, generated revenue in affiliate wise at slash income 43. Our business expenses were legit $115,000 in business expenses, and we list all of those out on the exact same income report. So check those out. Uh, but long story short, our net profit was $372,000. So not bad for a month's work. We can't complain. And Kate has been balancing both responsibility and trust. So I'm excited for her to kind of break down what she considers her biggest lesson learned in March
3: 2017. So this kind of goes back to the whole team building thing and balancing responsibility and trust. I kind of alluded to it earlier, but there's this struggle that I've found in taking responsibility for things that are happening in our business and at the same time having enough trust to let certain things go. So I'm sure many of you who are tuning in have perhaps encountered the same struggle where you know that you need to hire or you know that you need to delegate certain things that you're doing. But there's this very fine balance of, you know, taking responsibility for what's happening in your business and then having enough trust to be able to hand off some Really important things in your business. And that's something that I definitely felt this month, uh, perhaps more than other months, uh, because I just don't feel like our team is built up to the point where I can hand some really important tasks off and trust that it's going to be done in a timely manner without overworking someone on our team. And John, we didn't mention this uh, earlier in the income report, but. I think that we're both on the same page with kind of our next team move being perhaps hiring, uh, quote unquote, number three, someone who can really come in and take on some of these higher level projects that we have going on, who can really take on some of the communications and relationships that we have with. You mentioned, you know, our extended team uh, developer and designer and everything. And, you know, that would make a really huge difference for me right now. So, you know, I kind of felt a little Carrie Bradshaw-ish with my lesson learned this month because balancing re- balancing responsibility and trust. I I don't think that I figured this out. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I think it's a constant thing that we have to do as business owners because, of course, we need to take ownership. We need to take responsibility for the things that are happening, and we have to find a way to trust other people enough that we can start to you make you know great use of our time so in my experience you know small mistakes they add up fast and if as a business owner you're responsible for everything that happens within and to your business is it possible to balance responsibility and trust and still feel like your time is being spent wisely Wow,
0: that really was Carrie Bradshaw-esque. And I will say, Fire Nation, if you're wondering who this Carrie Bradshaw broad is, uh, she's the main character on the show Sex and the City. Now... Listen, we almost made half a million dollars in the month of March, and I hope that it's a little comforting to hear that we still don't have it all figured out. So if you don't have it all figured out, um, you're in good company. You're in what's called being an entrepreneur because you never have it all figured out. You just do what you can. You improve. You get hit with something blindsided, and then you adjust, you pivot, you move again. Um, so no matter no matter if you're absolutely crushing it or you're just struggling you know, to make your first dollar, you're going to have struggles, you're going to have these questions, these obstacles, these challenges, and you're doing the right thing by listening to podcasts like this so you can understand that these struggles are common, not to let them, or not to have them bury your head in the sand like a turtle, but instead realize that, hey, how can I learn from my struggles and move forward with that? So hope you've enjoyed this income report. It is eofire.com slash income eofire.com/slash-income-four-three because it is our 43rd income report. Uh, definitely check it out because there's some great pictures of Of me skiing, um, of Kate wearing her Thinkific sweatshirt, and some other cool pictures. And of course, links to everything that we've been talking about today is right there as well. So definitely check that out. And uh, Kate, I'll let you bring it home.
3: Uh, Much love, Fire Nation. Just keep that focus ahead. Don't forget to use promo code podcast for your mastery journal, and we will see you in the private Facebook group.